0: and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you guys for another episode here. You know, several weeks ago, I uh, was a guest on another podcast called the Western Huntsman podcast. Uh, Jim Huntsman hosts that. And, you know, throughout that discussion, you know, we talked about coyote hunting and things like that. But uh, towards the end of the podcast, we got into a pretty good discussion just about the anti-hunting movement. And, you know, really how it affects predator hunting and coyote hunting and coyote contests and everything that's involved there. Um, And I got to thinking, you know what, that'd be a great conversation to have here on Eastman's Predator Pros. It's something we really haven't covered a whole lot of up to this point. So that's who's on this uh, episode with me, Jim Huntsman. And, you know, Jim, you know, knows what we're dealing with. You know, he spends a lot of time researching and, you know, reading articles and, you know, being part of the push is pushing back against the anti hunting community. So, you know, we're going to get into some discussion here about really what we're up against. Um, I, I do think that the hunting community in general, um, is just a a little unaware of really what we're up against and, you know, really what their main goal is. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, you know, what we can all do just as average everyday hunters to push back against that so that, you know, our kids and grandkids can still do what we do, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. So should be interesting. Hopefully, we'll drum up some good conversation that gets you thinking. But uh, before we jump into that, need to thank the sponsors of this episode, which are Cryptech Camouflage and Black Rifle Coffee Company. Now, with Cryptech Camouflage, it's something I've been wearing since the start of this season. Um, You know, been extremely impressed with the durability. Obviously, uh, us as coyote hunters speak, especially, I'm hard on camouflage, whether it's crossing fences, snagging them up. Um, you know we we deal with a lot of changing temperatures and things you know it may be super cold first stand of the morning but you know by the time we're hunting in midday it's you know 30 40 50 degrees warmer so you know i need to layer up and things like that but i've been super impressed with what i've found so far with just the uh you know the different features that they have on all their clothing uh the different types of uh, clothing that they do offer you know that fits for all those situations but More importantly, just recently, we've we've actually started getting some snow. So uh, I've got to throw on the snow camo. Uh, They offer a pretty awesome set of snow camo whites over whites. Um, And it's their Wraith over whites that they do offer up. And it's really comes in a whole set, the entire set, the pants, the jacket, and even comes with a set of gaiters. you know, all tuck into a little pouch, um, almost like what you, you know, to put a set of rain gear in. Um, So, you know, you can pull these out of the pouch, throw them on over the rest of your clothing. Uh, the pants have full leg zippers so I can throw them on and off. Even the coat has multiple zippers on the arm and armpits. So you can open things up to, you know, get access to your other pockets and just kind of open things up. If you need a little airflow in there. And then obviously the gaiters are nice because I can put those over, um, you know, my pant legs. So the snow is not coming up underneath there when I'm walking, walking in that. So um if you're interested, you know, looking for a new set of snow over whites, you know, get onto their website, which is cryptech.com and uh, you know, Look at that uh, Wraith Overwhite set and, you know, you won't be disappointed, I can guarantee. Now, with Black Rifle Coffee Company, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but I just love what they do. Um, you know, one cool thing I really, really like is the fact that they have a, a coffee club. And, you know, you can get on there, you can put in your order, you can put your preferences, you know, and they essentially have this hassle-free automatic, you know, system that delivers the coffee right to your door on the schedule that you set. Um, you know, you can get discounts on those shipments and then a cool part about that is they actually have some, some discount partnerships with over 50 other brands. So if you're part of this ex- exclusive, you know, monthly coffee club, you know, you can get these discounts from these other partner brands, um, on other gear other than just coffee. So, uh, be sure and check them out. You can go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, or heck the next time you're in the mini Mart before you're heading out hunting, you, know, you can check out, some of their cold brews, you know, that caramel vanilla one, I think, uh you know, 300 milligrams of caffeine kind of shot that it gives you. That's something that I'll hit up every now and then, too. So be sure and check that out. But uh, like I said, you can go to blackriflecoffee.com to check out their monthly coffee subscription. Well, Simplify, Devil Dog, great to have you on the podcast, Jim. Hey, Simplify back, man. Good to be here. <laughs> well, it's great. It feels like we just had this talk, you know, not too long ago. <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully everybody listened. I was on, I was on your uh, Western Huntsman podcast here a while back and, you know, had a great time. We, we got into some great discussion on, you know, the anti-hunting movement and, you know, how it affects predator hunting specifically. And I thought, you know what, this would be a great podcast to talk about, you know, for my listeners. So glad you can make it work, man. Yeah, this is awesome. I, I, uh, I, I like doing this kind of stuff, man. I
1: love, I love the discussion. And your episode, I actually got a ton of feedback, uh, after I put it out. Um, in fact, I was in the process of trying to convince this anti hunting group out of Jackson, Wyoming, to send somebody, uh, to set up somebody to come on my show to defend their, cause they're, they're way into, you know, they're always posting stuff like, Oh, defend the wolves. The wolves need our help, you know, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it, and it's like, I, I'm just, I want to get some clarification out of you guys as to why you're trying to get people to donate money to you for a species that is not endangered. In fact, they grow at a rate of, you know, 40% a year. So somebody has got to come on and explain why you're trying to get money from them uh, for, for this cause and blah, blah, blah. And this lady uh, sends me a message. She slid into my DM, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) She sends me this message and she's like, you know, I got on your profile and you have a picture of a pile of dogs. (laughs) It was the picture that you had sent me or, or, or whatever I had, I had gotten off your page to promote the episode we did together. And she was all bent out of shape that I was trying to have this, you know, discussion uh, with a, while I had a big pile of dogs on the, on the, uh, you know, my Instagram page.
0: (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) you broke her heart. I broke her heart and now they won't come on my show, <laughs> which they wouldn't have anyway. So I'm not worried no, about it. No, they never would. No. You know, what's funny over the years I've been hit up by these, you know, somebody, some, I don't know, news reporter or, uh, you know, somebody at some newspaper mag, you know, or whatever, somewhere that sends me a message that says, Hey, we're doing an article on something to do with coyote contest. Would you like to make some comments, you know, or, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've always just steered because it seems like, I don't know, whatever those articles don't ever go the way you want them to. Yeah, And it's like that yeah. person writing that article has already, I don't know, it's just pretty biased. It always seems Is that do you get hit up, you know, obviously she hit you up Well, you hit her up, but do you ever get hit up for anybody, you know, wanting to want you to make comments and, and things like that on, on these articles that people are writing. Yeah. Yeah. Periodically, man. And,
1: and my, my kind of my take on it, my philosophy on it, is i have to know this writer like because they're going to have if, if i don't know them most likely they're going to be anti hunting especially anti predator hunting and and they're going to have some kind of preconceived notion as to what it is and why we do it and they're going to write a like you said a biased article against it with and and like somehow twist our words as to what what we're trying to articulate however if, if i know if i know the writer like the the journal what do they call it journalist or yeah. whatever they are Um, and I know them to be pro hunting and, and like, you know, live in reality and those kind of things, uh, I I would definitely comment, but if they're, if they're just hitting you up out of the blue and they're trying to get some comments to, you know, they're trying to get maybe some, uh, one liners they could use against the hunting, hunting community. Um, it's just kind of best to avoid them.
0: Yep. That's, that's what I have always gathered. The the one time I think I did do one about. I don't know, it eight, 10 years ago. That's exactly what it was. They took the little pieces of of whatever I told them and, you know, out of context and they kind of threw them in the article where, you know, it really had nothing to do with what I was talking about, but made more sense towards their case. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah,
1: it's totally biased. I, I <laughs> like I mean, I'm already I'm already that way in, in a sense that I don't trust the media in any way. I, I just don't trust them, I because I've seen them report whether it's hunting or whether it's politics or whether it's like a, an event that happened, um, or I'll, I'll give you a great example, man. When we were we were talking simplify this and simplify that earlier, so I was when I was in Iraq, the Iraqis would do this thing called celebratory fire, and it's where. They were super excited that we were there liberating them from Saddam Hussein, right? Because I was there in the very beginning, that big, you know, invasion towards Baghdad and all that. Oh, yeah. So we'd we'd like uh, so-called liberate a town as we move north, move closer to Baghdad, and we're we're inching our way closer. And the the locals would start, like, shooting off their guns in in what we called celebratory fire. They were celebrating, and that's how they celebrated. They'd shoot their guns in the air. It was the weirdest thing. And so... (laughs) We're sitting right outside of this town and we have this reporter from the Associated Press, like embedded with us. We had these embedded reporters and they'd always get mad at me because I'd refer to them as CNN and, and they'd come back all smug. I'm yeah. with Associated Press to correct me, you know, cause they're, <laughs> they're all bent out of shape about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so anyway, we're, we're sitting outside. We're like dug in, into these uh, fighting position, foxholes and, and whatnot, um, and and we're we're just kind of having mres and 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 trading m&ms and smoking cigarettes whatever you do you know and we're just sitting there killing and it's, it's yep killing time it's it's starting to get de- uh dark outside and the iraqis uh that lived in this town were so excited they're like shooting off fireworks and and firing into the air with their like russian ak47s they had or chinese ak47s these chintzy <laughs> rifles yeah. they had and they're they're just shooting them off in the air well, it sounds like chaos, but it was pretty normal. And behind us, this embedded reporter is starts the camera kind of pointed towards the town or whatever. And he's like getting down and crouching and all this stuff. And he's like, the Marines are in the middle of a great big firefight going on right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting there eating MMs. and Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Uh, but he, he knew and he knew it wasn't a it was not combat. It was it was celebratory fire. He knew dang well what was going on, but he was reporting it as if he was in the middle of this big firefight.
0: Oh, and I'm like,
1: I'm like 22 years old. And ever since then, I just have never trusted the media. And I, 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 I don't know. It's just it's gotten worse over the years, too. This is like 20 years ago, you know, almost 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's wild. And that's something I want to get into here in a little bit, too, of how just in, in today's day and age with social media and just news coverage and things, how easy it is for them to manipulate and mold their ideas, you know, to to push mm-hmm. their agenda, um, you know, but we'll get into that shortly. So okay, before we do that, though, I always do a fun thing with all my guests, you know, before we really dive, dive into this, I got to hear the story of the first coyote you ever killed. I don't care whether it was shot out the truck window or called it in or, or however you killed it, but I'm sure you got one. You got, you got to oh, fill me yeah. on this. Yeah,
1: man. Uh, so where I grew up, you had to be, uh, I the, the age has changed now, but back in the day, in order to go uh, your first, well, for small game hunting, I uh, you could be 12 years old. And for big game, you had to be 14. Uh, again, I know that's changed What's, now. What because state was this? this was in utah oh utah all right yeah yeah this this was in utah so uh, i had gone through got my uh, hunter's education all that kind of stuff and went out on my first pheasant hunt and i had gotten like the year before i i I had got a uh a little gosh what is it winchester i think 20 gauge shotgun and uh, i still have this shotgun in fact my daughter's killed turkeys with it last year nice um so I've had this shotgun forever, but it's this little 20 gauge, you know, pump action. I I want to call it like the model 800. Uh, anyway, express, maybe. I'm, I'm terrible with names. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm like 12 years old and we're out pheasant hunting. Uh, I'm with some family like uncle, dad, whatever. Uh, we're out, we're out kind of pheasant hunting right on the, we, we would hunt the edges of these uh, alfalfa fields that would kind of, you know, butt up against where the sagebrush, would start and oh, whatnot. And yeah. Pheasants would really, this was back when we had, you know, just tons of pheasants. Uh, and and we've got uh, one dog with us, but he's way on the other side of the field. So I'm just kind of acting as my own dog on, on the edge of this field where, where the sagebrush starts. And um, this, all of a sudden we're, we're working the field and all of a sudden this coyote pops up in front of me, like 20 feet. He just, he, he was laying in the brush. Right. And I surprised him. And I kind of look over and I think it was my uncle or somebody was like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> so I unload on with this uh, on this uh, coyote with my 12 ga- or 20 gauge, which I would n- obviously never do today. Uh, <laughs> shoot a coyote with a 20 gauge. But I mean, he was close enough and it worked out and I dropped him. It took me like three shots to finally kill him with this little 20 gauge with bird shot in it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was my first coyote, man. I, I drug it back and I was going to I was going to like, uh, I was all, all uh, excited to learn how to like tan the hide myself and do all that. Uh, but that 20 gauge, I mean, just riddled this uh, coyote. and the, the hide was toast, man. So we ended up leaving it there. But that was my first coyote. I was pheasant hunting and uh, shot it with a 20 gauge shotgun.
0: <laughs> Target of opportunity. It was. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and probably the bad thing. That was obviously probably way before the uh, the $50 statewide bounty in Utah. So you didn't even get to capitalize on that.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know about it. I, I capitalized on that a few years later, but I I didn't know about it at the time. Yeah. No, no big, I don't think was big money for a twelve year old, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, man.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> so a big a big focus of your your podcast, The Western Huntsman, you know, you you tackle these issues. You talk about these issues of, of the anti hunting movement and, and things like that. You know, is that is that a correct assumption for your I mean a big a big part of what your podcast is
1: yeah the idea is i we it's not like that's all we talk about right it's the the idea is we talk about hunting in an effort to make hunters more passionate about this lifestyle that that we do and what we represent and and how we live our lives and and that's the idea and as anti-hunting subjects come up we tackle them at that point and and we have like call to actions and we discuss what's going on whether it's it's like a societal uh, cultural thing or or whether it's like anti-hunting legislative actions or or you know a judge making a bad decision or uh you know hunting commissions that uh are, are bringing bad uh wildlife management issues to the table uh, such as you know like the washington spring bear hunt uh things like that so i it's not like every episode we do it's like talking about anti-hunting organizations and and going you know just talking about that because it's it's mostly a show where we talk hunting and we cover the things that make people more passionate about this lifestyle uh so that as anti-hunting legislation and and other things come about uh people are fired up and want to do something about it and that's kind of the idea of the show
0: you know that's a good point passion i think is is the key word there i think you know, knowing just lots and lots of hunters, you know, not just predator hunters, but hunters in general, I feel like a majority of the hunters, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, they're passionate about what they do, but they like to keep to themselves. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to get in the middle of some big argument with anti hunters. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to push themselves out there when in fact, the anti hunters that are against us are like just the opposite. Like they're over the top, they'll do anything in their, you know, power to shut us down. And it's, would you agree? Like, that's kind of, that's Absolutely. like one of the things that we're up against is like, just by nature, most hunters are just kind of laid back. We just want to do our thing, man. We don't want to be messing with anybody. We don't care what you do. Just leave us alone. Let us do what we do. But yet the the people that are against us are like opposite, like hardcore coming after everything we got.
1: No, you nailed it, man. Uh, that's, that's exactly what happens. And, and, and rightfully so hunters, the, the hunting has been a part of the, the human experience for uh, since the beginning of time, we've always just done it. It's is this is how we've lived. There was a time when that was how people uh, got their sustenance, what was through hunting and gathering. And, and that was it. And, and so for since the beginning of time, that's, that's how it's been. And so hunters, I think rightfully so don't feel like they have to explain their lifestyle to other people that don't understand it. And, and that's all we want to do. We want to focus on the hunt. We want to focus on getting good tags and buying the right gear and doing our homework and scouting and finding areas to hunt and going in and, and once season opens and actually getting the job done and then go home and, and have the experience in the full freezer and, and, and the stories to tell, right? That's yeah. what we want. We didn't want this fight. That's And what you said, the, the reverse side of that is this anti-hunting movement that is going completely against the grain of of what is natural to be a human, and and I don't care whether they're hostile vegans or if they're uh, if they're just people that maybe live in these big uh, urban areas that don't understand wildlife management through hunting and why it's good and why it's conservation and why it works and why we have the North American model of wildlife conservation that has been the most effective model on the face of the planet in terms of recovering species that were close to uh, being extinct and they just don't put all of that together they're not interested they want um, they they look at hunting as like this outdated cruel thing They look at hunting as, you know, we're a bunch of rednecks out there drinking beer, (laughs) shooting everything we can. Uh, And, 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 you know, there's, there's hunters that put stuff on social media that kind of feed into that narrative. Um, and, And so that's, that's what they're, they're after. They, they don't, they don't care if you're a bow hunter or a rifle hunter or a coyote hunter or a deer hunter. They, they want it all gone. They're against hunting. They think it's cruel and they think that people that do it are evil. And so they have pitted themselves against us when all we're doing is what is natural and primal and and, and part of the human experience since the dawn of time. It's, it's
0: ridiculous. Hey, guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you a little bit about Lucky Duck Predator Calls. Now, if you followed the podcast for any amount of time, you know that's my go-to electronic call. If you're in the market for a new e-call and want to see what Lucky Duck has to offer, you can go to their website, which is luckyduck.com, and you can see their entire lineup of e-calls from the low-end Rebel to the high-end Supervolt. They offer a Predator call that can fit any budget in any circumstance. So check out what they have to offer. You can see some of their innovative features like being able to spin the call in 360 degrees, built-in decoys, and of course, their innovative sound library produced by none other than Rick Paulette. So if you're in the market for a new e-call, Visit luckyduck.com to see what they have to offer now back to the podcast. Yeah. I think that's the challenge that uh, to me, we face a lot of challenges, but the biggest one is kind of right on these same premises that, you know, we, most hunters don't want to, you know, get in the fight. You know, they don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't want to be part of it. don't And the problem is I think at some point, somebody, I think everybody's got to get involved to some extent because I think a lot of people underestimate really what what we're up against.
1: I I think that it's it's even less about underestimating and more about they just don't know like they don't guys like me know because I'm in it all the time. Right. Where your your average deer hunter out there, uh, they're they're not I mean, they obviously they know about anti hunting movement. They everybody's heard of PETA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what what. People usually don't understand is the massive amount of money that something an organization like the humane society of the united states uh which is different than your local humane societies out there we're not talking about where you go and uh, rescue a dog uh at the local you know humane society place uh we're talking about the the humane society of the united states is an active anti-hunting organization that raises over 60 or or, i'm sorry over 300 million dollars a year uh, and and you know they're they're they've got their hands in a lot of anti-hunting um, legislation they've got their hands in a lot of anti-hunting uh, movements or, or I'm sorry local groups that pursue like judges or or uh, hunting commissions uh, for, for you know your wildlife management agency of the state uh, and they've, they've got their hands in all of that they, they were behind the anti-bear hunting legislation introduced in california a couple of years ago that that was just absolutely you know it would have been disastrous for the state of california because their, their population is wildly out of control anyway uh but they had their hand in the, the anti-spring bear hunting movement uh that, that took place in washington it's stuff like that that people don't pay attention to and the, the problem is like jeff remember 20 30 years ago uh buying your hunting tag was considered your conservation donation that that is what you know that's kind of where the phrase hunting is conservation comes from because that funding was what was used to do the wildlife management and conservation efforts and habitat improvement and all that kind of stuff and it still is but it's not enough anymore because we're up against when you look at the population of hunters which is roughly five percent of the country and then you have active anti-hunters and and that's roughly three to five percent depending on regionally um of the the country and you 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 have these two very polar opposite sides kind of garnering the attention of the other 90 percent out there who are not necessarily hunters and not necessarily anti-hunters but who do you think makes the most money to propagate that group it's the anti-hunting movement and that's why they put out these ads at two o'clock in the morning for some you know lady or, or or it doesn't need to be a lady but i always i always think of like a crazy cat lady when i'm talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about this <laughs> but but it's not right they yeah they no. can take a gross picture that they found on social media and and really kind of twist and turn what happened and run this ad uh and say the animals need your help the wildlife needs your help because they're getting slaughtered, and they are in danger. And what do you think? Some some person that lives way out of the norm, or, or not norm, uh, th- that lives way yeah, far. Lives in the big city. I mean, yeah,
0: that's from, never been around this
1: wildlife. Yeah, that you know their 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 uh, association with wildlife is at the local zoo, or what they see on TV. They don't have any reality of what's what's happening on the ground. And I'm not disparaging people that live in big cities. I'm disparaging the people that live in big cities that have no idea what takes place in the wild in, in nature. They don't they don't want to educate themselves on that. All they're going to do is watch an ad like that. And then they want that. We've also got this thing today where, where we, we feel like we need to be part of this tribe. We need to have a cause uh, to to support and friends to prop us up for supporting such a cause. And and we get in this group think in these big urban areas where these people that don't know anything about wildlife management. Next thing you know, they're pulling out their credit card, donating to organizations like the Humane Society of the United States, raising a bunch of money so that they can propagate to more people that don't understand it and keep uh, getting support and that's what we're up against and hunters have to it's at that point where hunters do need to take action and and really do need we do need to start fighting and countering these arguments to the masses we don't need to try to convince anti-hunters to go hunting nor do we need to convince the 90 percent of the people that don't really care one way or the other to go hunting what we need to do is help people that don't hunt understand why hunting is conservation and why it's important and why the anti-hunting movement is wrong and out of whack and that's our challenge because like jeff you you i i guarantee you know this probably better than i do but when somebody like Peta puts a picture of a dead coyote on twitter and says we have to stop the murder That is a lot easier because that is a very emotional thing that people that don't know, understand coyote hunting and predator management, they're going to, they're going to react to that. They're going to have a react, a negative reaction to that. And it's a lot easier to get that negative emotional reaction than it is in 240, you know, characters or whatever, come back and make a logical science backed argument against that to sway that person to come back to being pro hunting. Does that make sense? How i am explaining
0: that? For sure. You know, you know, and I, I look at the, look at the money side of it here, you know, money makes, makes everything turn. And, Mm -hmm. and you, you made a good point where, you know, yeah, let's say hunter, you know, license sales and things like that. Let's say we're bringing in X amount of millions, you know, a year on that. And it's going to conservation, right? It's going to, to whatever kind of management we need, you know, land access, you know, you name it. Well, like you said, the anti-hunters are raising that same amount or probably more, mm-hmm. and they're not doing a Way damn more. thing with their money other than using it for marketing purposes. You know? That that's it. And yeah, and then I think that's where people have to understand the difference is, you know, and granted, we have I think a lot of people think, oh, we have SCI and we have a few of these, but I don't know the numbers, but I can only guess that those those, you know, hunting organizations are probably small. In terms of the amount of money they bring in and the amount of resources they have compared to some of these anti-hunting organizations, would you agree? Do yeah. you have, I don't know. Maybe you have some more better numbers yeah. on stuff like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I'll give you a great example. Um, Humane Society of the United States. I, I I just did the research on this like two months ago. And now, I, now I'm like drawing a blank, but <laughs> they they're raising like north of three hundred million dollars, right? Uh, That's just one group. That's not even talking about like PETA or the Center for Biological Diversity or uh, there's there's like hundreds of these organizations. Some of them are very specific to anti hunting for wolves only or predator only or bears protecting the bears, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You compare that to one of the the most well-known conservation organizations in the on, on the planet, which isn't you know, isn't necessary. Well, I shouldn't say planet in, in the United States is a Rocky mountain elk foundation, right? Yep. Everybody knows RMEF because they have cool stuff and you can, you know, win it and uh, all that, you know, the banquets are awesome. And, and generally everybody knows the Rocky mountain elk foundation for sure. You compare that they're are 300 million uh, North of uh, to the $65 million that the Rocky mountain elk foundation raises, and then you also have to consider that the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is a foundation. They are not like a lobbyist. They can't go to bat uh, in, in, a, in a sense of like lobbying legislators for pro hunting kind of stuff. And I'm not I'm not exactly an attorney. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I'm not an attorney at all. <laughs> <Not> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I don't I don't know exactly how to define that. But, you know, basically. Uh, some more organizations, by their very nature, are are, are kind of lobbying type firms where they can actually go as anti-hunting legis or uh, anti-hunters and uh, sway legislators and lobby for anti-hunting legislation and and judges and and uh, you know just dis- court decisions and stuff like that. Where something like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, that's that's not what they're set up for, and so. We do have organizations that are, but you, you nailed it when you said the financial offsets are much greater than I think people realize, uh, the anti-hunting movement. Um, like what is that group? I can't remember the name of this group, but there's this group. I always, I always pick on the anti-wolf hunting folks because they, <laughs> I think that they're the, 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 the worst of the worst.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree.
1: Uh, they're so full of shit. Uh, and so the, like there's this group that, that, does this ad on Facebook. So people will be scrolling through Facebook and all of a sudden you see this picture of this very sad looking wolf. And it's like, buy one of our bracelets uh, to save the wolves of the Rockies. Right. (laughs) And, and and the problem is, is people see that and they see that emotional picture of this wolf and they buy the bracelet. And I always comment it. And I, I tell people, this is an absolute scam that the, the the wolves do not need your saving uh they are they are thriving in fact they are one of the most fastest reproducing species on the planet and and they they are well beyond objectives that when they were initially reintroduced into the Rocky Mountain region uh so don't donate to money, money to this because it's a scam this is a cottage industry and this is this is what what we are up against cuz like What are we going to do to counter that, Jeff? Like put a picture of a uh, dead elk on there and say, hey, buy our bracelet because all the wolves are killing the elk. I I mean, (laughs) people aren't going to do that. No, that's natural. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's very difficult to counter.
0: You know, there's there's a group called Project Coyote. I'm sure you've heard of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the the founder of that group is actually maybe you mentioned it. Somebody did that. She she's a board member of that. Um, the Humane Society, National Humane Society group, I think.
1: Yeah, the Humane Society of the United States. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, US.
0: Yep. But they, but she, they were, they were relentless, um, in the Southwest and out west on getting coyote contests shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, you know, they got them. Um, coyote contests are shut down or are, are illegal now in Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, California um you know they they made a big push in wyoming but you know weren't quite as successful there but anyway for example you know you take when they showed up down in arizona and they they approached the game commission about shutting down coyote contests well they have all this money they have lawyers that are very smart you know and understand what they're doing and well funded Mm -hmm. they show up but then on the hunter side it's like we had nobody to represent us like other than just the yeah. average hunter that showed up to voice his support, you know? And that's, I think that that's the struggle I think we face like S you know, SCI didn't send one of their corporate lawyer teams down there to defend coyote contests in Arizona. You know, the Rocky mountain elk foundation yeah. didn't send their team of lawyers down there to, because they to can't, defend. they, they, you know, exactly. like the Rocky
1: mountain. I don't know about SCI. I think actually they, they have some lobbying power. I'm I'm not totally sure, but that's that's a great point and you know why that is jeff is because we're up against activists these are these are extremists and activists hunters are not activists hunters are just normal people that like to go hunting right and and hunters are your average average person with a day job that uh, is usually raising a family uh he or she likes to whether they just like to go deer hunting sometimes or they love to do coyote calling contests or they love to uh you know trap wolves these are these are your normal people out there these are your plumbers your um you know businessmen uh that they're they're your electricians and and all these other things that they're wrapped up in their life that they want to pursue and don't even understand that the people we're up against are stone cold activists and so they're better at raising money they're better at creating propaganda they're better at spreading uh, that message because this is actively what they do, that they don't have distractions like hunters do. And so I, it, and I think that that's important to note because I don't ever want people to think that I'm picking on hunters for not doing enough. This is just the nature of it. It's our human nature to go hunting and, and raise a family and provide for our family and uh, get some adventure that, you know, that primal adventure out of hunting. Oh, you bet. And, and these activists, this is what is unnatural. It is not natural to think that your opinion should downright uh, overwhelm what is natural to humanity, because your opinion doesn't have it does not give you a right to tell me how I can live my life, especially here in America. You know, you, you and I, Jeff, are, we're, we're Marines. We get pretty grumpy about this. <laughs> you will not dictate my life. Uh, I am a free American, and and if I want to pursue hunting because it's the right thing to do in terms of wildlife management and the habitat management and everything that goes into this thing, we've proven that it's successful. And your stupid opinion that comes out of this groupthink propagated line of uh, just total BS in these big urban areas where you're, you're only experienced with coyotes and wolves are, well, maybe maybe coyotes because they're uh, you know overpopulated everywhere and they're they're you know killing the neighbor's chihuahua, <laughs> but uh, it, their their main experience again is at the zoo or what they see on National Geographic. It's it's dumb.
0: How much has you know social media has changed the the game in a lot of different ways with a lot of different things? You know, when it comes to this anti-hunting movement, I mean, what are some of the significant changes that you know advantages? I think that maybe like you said, the anti hunters have taken advantage of that us as hunters, maybe, you know, in some ways, I guess, maybe shot ourselves in the foot in some cases, but obviously just, you know, didn't have a well-oiled plan. Obviously, you know, we know the anti hunters that those groups, you know, they're well-funded and and they have plans. I mean, they have long-term plans in place and they're, they're executing those plans. You know, we're just doing what we're doing. You know, how have you seen that? You know, you've been doing this, you've kind of been in the know a little bit longer, you know, So what have you seen to some of the changes?
1: You know how, um, again, I, I I don't mean to sound like my grandpa or something, keep bringing up the Marines, but what you, I think you and I were in like about the same time. Do you remember when, when we were in the Marines, how those two Marines went out in California and poached wild horses and it was all over the news?
0: Oh, you know, I was in North Carolina, so I don't, um. But I no I don't remember that. Was well, that like it like early 2000s?
1: Yeah, I think it was like 99 or 2000. No, really. or they yeah. shot a bunch of
0: wild yeah. horses out there, huh? Yeah,
1: these these two marines and and the thing that happens is uh, where I'm going with this is it it, it made like national headlines and the headl- headlines didn't say two dudes go out and shoot wild horses illegally or two poachers did this and did that. It said two United States Marines went out and poached wild horses. <laughs> right? so so what what happens is everybody it, this this show this shined a really negative light on the entirety of the united states marine corps right the everybody oh, yeah. thought that marines were nothing but a bunch of uh, wild horse poachers after
0: this so <laughs> what i'm them getting up with at, the 81 millimeter mortars <laughs> right they know? called
1: in an airstrike <laughs> so what 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 happens is uh is I guess what I'm trying to say is is one or two bad apples are are what ruin it for the rest of us, because the general public doesn't generally have a negative reaction to like a grip and grin with a, you know, somebody that just killed a buck. Right. And, and so the, I don't think that that's the issue. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about how, oh, we need to stop posting grip and grins and we need to stop posting dead animals. And I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think that's the case. Uh, because that's, that's just kind of, that that's just been a part of life for a long time. Yeah, that's it's who we it's are. been a normal thing. Right. Um, but when we here, I'll, I'll use this example where, cause, and I've talked about this one on my show a, a million times, uh, a few years back, uh, a couple of young guys, like 19, 20 years old, whatever. Um, they shoot a deer somewhere in like Arkansas, I think I, or Mississippi, somewhere in the South. And they uh, so they, they had the deer carcass hanging there and uh, the, these these young guys get to drinking and, and you know, start getting the idea that they're going to pour beer down into the chest cavity, which will, uh, you know, the deer is obviously hung upside down. Uh, so it's cut, the beer is coming out the mouth of the deer. And so they've got this dead deer uh, all hide it out with the exception of the head uh, still had, you know, the hiding and, and, and the antlers there, just a little buck or whatever they start one guy gets underneath the deer and one guy starts pouring beer down into the chest cavity and the other kid is uh chugging the beer out of Jeez. the other side now I, I i am not saying that as a young man i didn't do dumb shit <laughs> right I, yeah. I, now i i never did that that just seems it's a little weird to me yeah. it's a little weird like like come on <laughs> man. what heck do you guys you guys have like weird traumatic experiences yeah, why but Anyway, that's beside the point. We all did dumb stuff when we were young. The difference is is when I was young, we didn't have social media. And so, luckily, but that's what happens is is that gets posted on, like, Facebook. And then it went viral. And that goes in front of, you know, Aunt Betty, who's never hunted. And she sees that. What is her opinion of hunters at that point? Oh, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's It's that 10% of people that do bad shit that gets viral on facebook or instagram or whatever that these anti-hunters get a hold of and and they they use that against us the other thing that they use against us is the infighting amongst hunters how nasty hunters are to each other you know the whole uh, if it's brown it's down crowd versus the let them live another year and and uh, you know the trophy hunter kind types and there's like no in between. You gotta you gotta pick a tribe. You gotta pick a side and and fight to the the bitter end. You know, um, and that's wrong because other hunters are not our enemy. Our enemy is out there waiting for us to rip each other apart. A house divided cannot stand, is what Abraham Lincoln said. And and right now we are a house divided, and it's divided amongst you know whether somebody's a bow hunter versus a rifle hunter, whether somebody is is a meat hunter versus a trophy hunter. Wh- whether somebody pays to go on a hunting guided trip or a hunting private ranch, a high fence or something versus a, a public land OTC over the counter kind of guy. Um, you know, that, that these are all the things that were pitted against each other on. Meanwhile, the anti-hunting movement is highly organized, highly funded and very good at taking that division and exploiting it against hunters. And, and that's, these are, this is why everything is so challenging, challenging. We're so underfunded uh, in terms of of where we're putting our money. Our focus is, you know, saving, uh, migrating mule deer herds uh, from getting hit by cars and not fighting against anti-hunting, which that's where our focus should be, right? But now we have this other challenge. We have this other challenge. We are the ones that care about the wildlife, and they're the ones that pretend to care about the wildlife. And and because they pretend to care about the wildlife, they're activists about it, and they they are able to draw and bring in more money to make us look bad. So anytime a hunter, remember remember the video that went went viral a year or two ago, those guys that shot that deer and were like it wasn't dead, and they were kicking the crap out of it
0: uh, and, oh, I never and like saw that punching
1: one. it. Oh, you never saw it. It's uh, not been on the
0: anti-hunting uh, Facebook page.
1: <laughs> well, they took that. Oh, no, I'm they sure they did. Yeah, and and they like Peta went nuts with that video. Um, and, and Peta really isn't our our main problem. And no, Peta didn't really have any credibility with either side anymore. But uh, but they they still try. Uh, but but that is that is w- what happens when we when we have one bad apple that does something like that that, that and that is going to shine a, a negative light on the rest of us. Uh, they're able to take that and exploit
0: it. And so I, you know. I don't know. I covered a lot there. Did any of that make sense? A lot of sense. You know, the thing that caught my attention was the, when you started talking about the division amongst ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, back, you know, I've obviously, I'm not in the know on a lot of this stuff, but when it comes to the coyote hunting contest stuff, I was, I was, you know, in the know on that quite a bit. And you know, what I really, what was probably the most heartbreaking thing about all that, you know, when they started shutting down these contests and, you know, it started in New Mexico you know, then it moved over to, to Arizona and then to California. And it's just kind of a chain reaction thing was that you would get these comments from people that claim to be hunters and would say, Oh, that's barbaric. You know, I don't, I'm a hunter, you know, they would, they always start off by saying I'm a hunter and I think that's not right. Yeah. You know, Yeah.
1: as if, as if that little disclaimer Gives them to ri- the right to uh, judge you and and determine what what is and what isn't good for you.
0: Yeah, there's nothing worse than um. Yeah, I mean if you got half your team against you, <laughs> you know, because because yeah. you know it's just like they, they. I think in their mentality is you know what I I could care less. I don't ever do coyote contests, so who cares if they're gone or not? You know, it seems to me like that was the mentality. And there's even there were even coyote hunters that wanted, you know, that just don't do coyote hunting contests that had the same mentality that that were like, you know what? I don't really care. I don't do coyote contests, so it ain't going to hurt my Mm -hmm. feelings if they get rid of them. You know, to me, that was just the wrong mentality to have. Um, so as a hunter, because it just shows me that you don't understand what their true goal is. Their true (laughs) goals. They're just not coming after coyote contests, man. That's just the easiest thing for them to shut down first. And once they gain momentum, you know, then they start coming after bobcat trapping and spring bear hunting and mountain lion hunting. And then before you know it, you know, it's into the, the ungulates and everything else, you know, so.
1: Well, and that's what happens, man. It's that, that we've all heard the phrase you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Uh, and that's that's what happens is. When when they've when they've achieved getting rid of coyote contests, do you think that they're just going to, like, pack it up and go home, the anti-hunting movement? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, where, where do you think they go next? Because that's what they're doing. What they're doing is they're gaining traction and, dr- and gaining credibility uh, through this cottage industry by raising money and and every once in a while knocking down a win for their side so they could tell all their supporters and followers and donators that, hey, we got rid of the coyote contest in uh, Arizona. Um, you know, they, they don't just pack it up and go home at that point. That builds that that is fuel to the fire. And so the deer hunter out there that is like, well, I don't care. It's just a coyote calling or a, a, I'm sorry, a coyote contest. I I don't do those. So what do I care kind of thing? Well, who's going to have your back when they come after your specialty? They, w- when they come after your passion, you're yeah. a passionate uh, archery elk hunter. Hang on, Mike. You're, maybe you're a passionate ar- archery elk hunter. And they're not coming after that, so to speak, right now. But what do you think they're going to do when they run out of coyote? uh, Coyote. I always want to call it coyote calling contest for some reason. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, because we have those. But (laughs) I'm talking about the coyote hunting contests. And and so that's that. This is like a, a a slow burn, a very long game of of like dominoes. You know, they they're going to knock down a few wins here and there. And they're going to, what that does is adds to their momentum and adds to their ability to fundraise and adds to their ability to impact the opinions of non hunters. And that, that is going to build up and build up and build up because they don't care if you're a coyote hunter or a deer hunter or an elk hunter or, or whatever, but predator hunting is, is what, what I call the low hanging fruit. It's easy to get an emotional response out of dead coyotes and dead bears and dead bobcats and all that kind of stuff uh, to start triggering these folks that don't know anything about it to be against it and then it's going to be a natural thing for them to take their crowd that they built with this emotional advertising and emotional propaganda and translate that to deer and elk in 10 years and so that is why it is imperative that as hunters we don't let them get any wins we cannot let them get any wins we can't let them shut down one more coyote contest we can't let them shut down one more wolf trapping season we can't let them do that and get away with it we have to stand up and start making noise and start raising money to respond to this emotional propaganda that triggers so many people to pull out their credit card because if they don't have the money they won't be able to do this you can tell I get really frustrated.
0: Yeah. You know, predator hunting is what I call the tip of the spear. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you said, for some reason and, and I think it's the, I don't know, it must be the emotional response like a coyote and a wolf looks like their pet dog. You know, people yeah, always ask me, what does every kid are... in America
1: have? They 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 all have a teddy bear, right? And yeah. so bear hunting is like offensive to them. and And coyote uh, you, you know, your coyote looks like your dog and, and they, they, they put these species, the, the anti-wolf hunters are, are like the craziest. They put these species on a pedestal at the cost of all of the species on the landscape and, and they act like they're conservationists. But how is that conservation when you are allowing these predators to run amok without any kind of control or, or population? Um, it, hunting is what keeps these these populations in check. And so, how is that ecological balance ecological balance or conservation
0: it, It's not i I kind of touch base back onto that social media aspect of mm-hmm. you know where where what do we post? what do you don't post? do you feel you know should you be scared of what you post? Uh, you know I almost feel like you know just do what you do, maybe give it a little thought before you post something, but you know don't be afraid what you yeah. post you know if you're proud of it, post it i think it's I think it's pretty.
1: Uh, again this is just like a, it's like a common sense thing if if you if you've got uh, if you're chugging beer through a carcass don't post it right <laughs> like if if you're kicking a wounded deer on the ground don't post that like don't even do that stuff it's it's that's nuts uh you know as long as as long as you're living up to the um uh, what what we all kind of look at is this general uh pool of of ethical hunting behavior you know there's nothing wrong with it i i always kind of say uh you you just got to know your audience if you're if you're on like my personal facebook there's a lot of stuff i don't post on my personal facebook cuz i i have a lot of extended family and 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 friends and people that i barely know that are not hunters and 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 blah 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 so i i'm careful with what i post on there but on my instagram uh i I don't care what i post on there it's it's most of the followers that's the thing about Instagram is it's it's usually your your direct followers that that see that stuff and and I see stuff that I'm directly following of other people and so you kind of expect it right and so I there's there's that aspect of it and the other the other aspect of it is I think that when you are about to post something if it if it something that you think would make somebody squirm or have like a negative a super negative reaction to I I don't know because who who gets to decide that, right? Who, who gets to be the one that makes that call? It doesn't, there's just like no good way
0: to answer this. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, it's a double-edged sword, you know, because what are the type of videos that go viral and all of a sudden build up you all these followers and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It's those type of videos that make you kind of squirm and that are cut like, you're like borderline. I probably shouldn't have posted it, but everybody's like, Oh my God. And they share it and they, you know so it's crazy like i think that it just pushes pushes some yeah. of these videos and pictures and stuff to the point where maybe maybe they shouldn't have been posted but ultimately at the end of the day I'd, i yeah like who there's no police out there to say oh sorry you shouldn't have posted that yeah it yeah it's coming it, down it, to personal it, responsibility
1: like i was like i was saying earlier like who who gets to determine what is ethical hunting right who who gets to make that call? um uh, in terms of hunting ethics and 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 like um wh- what is the other etiquette yeah another tough one to define is etiquette who gets to define what is good hunting etiquette and how we treat other hunters on the mountain and and how we give each other space and and you know share share these public lands together there's etiquette involved right uh, but who gets to make that call it's the same kind of thing i think it's just one of those things like um we, we you can have the opinion that hey This is me. This is what I do. And I'm going to post it. And I don't give a shit who who has a bad reaction or or response to it. Or you can have the other side where it's like things are not like they were 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. There's a lot of people that could see this. I need to probably be a little bit more cognizant of what I'm going to post in terms of the the overall picture. I need to look at this from a macro level uh an overall scale of of where this could go. What is the cause remember the anti hunters are are using their they're they're running a long game. And so we kind of have to start having that mentality too. Like is this picture I'm about to post or this video I'm about to post, is this gonna make somebody upset that doesn't understand hunting? And if it does, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna disparage anybody for still putting it out there, but I'm also probably not myself personally going to do that. Right.
0: Yeah I you know on your podcast when we recorded that i talked i kind of call it the meat eater mentality you know and it seems like it seems like there's a lot of a lot of hunters nowadays that go above and beyond trying to justify why they're hunting you know um yep i mean i think maybe whether they like to admit it or not i mean i think there's a lot of guys that just like to hunt because they like killing stuff Mm -hmm. i mean that's the way i am i mean I just like going out and shooting stuff. I mean, yeah. Are there other benefits, you know, whether it's shooting coyotes and selling the fur and maybe occasionally helping out the rancher if he's having a little problem, but those are all very secondary purposes to why I'm going hunting, you know? And I, I feel like there's, there's some, you know, some, some conflict between the hunting community because of that, because I think the, some of these, that mediator mentality is like, well, I'm going out and shooting this only because so I can eat it and do this and and I, it's almost like they don't recognize the fact that at the end of the day, you're still killing something just like I am. Yeah. You know, well, uh, it's like,
1: yeah, dude, you, you don't need to justify what we're do- like that. And that's the thing with predator hunting is that everybody thinks that there needs to be this justification. Oh, I just got a bear and saved some fawns or yeah. saved some elk calves. You know, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I'm sure you saved a few, but that's not the point of hunting a bear. Like that, that yeah. is not the point. Um. And so, you know, enjoy it. Don't don't what is the term? Go back, go back to I mean, don't be a don't be ashamed of we don't need to grovel to anti hunters or or to people that don't hunt by overly justifying our primal need to go and do this, right? We don't we don't need to grovel. Like, shoot a bear, shoot a coyote. If you want to post a picture about it, be proud and tell the story. Hey. I was I was calling coyotes in this field. This this sucker came running into like 40 yards I nailed him. Uh, Man, it was it was such a great adventure. And I got it all on camera. Hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, not. Hey, I just saved a jackrabbit because I killed a coyote. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'd shoot the jackrabbit, too, by the way. Yeah,
0: I mean, because ultimately at the end of the day, whether whether you're shooting a deer for the meat or shooting or what you're posting and telling people. That, that 10% anti-hunting doesn't care, (laughs) you know, they don't care. They don't don't care if you justify it. Uh, You're never going to change their mind, you know, and I think, you know, we've talked about all these issues and these problems. I mean, really, you know, what are some solutions? I mean, what, as, as hunters, you know, yeah, we can donate to some groups, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, sci whatever sci blood you know orgy, yeah. is that really what's going to get us going i don't know i mean i always feel like and and maybe you have a different solution but i feel like the only way that we succeed in this is continuing to recruit new hunters so there is that there there's the recruiting new hunters um I, for, for me
1: first and foremost what hunters need to do is start coming together and quit acting like a bunch of assholes uh over the way other people choose to hunt whether it's method to take or species or it doesn't matter hunters need to understand that other hunters are our people they are on our side we are on the same team quit disparaging each other whether somebody wants to use a crossbow on a high fence to go chase a you know 400 class bull elk or somebody wants to, you know, be a long range hunter and shoot an elk at uh, 700 yards with a six and a half Creedmoor, Uh, or, or it doesn't matter. Like that might not be your cup of tea, but leave that other hunter alone because that other hunter is who we need. We need each other. And we, if we all had that understanding that hunters, our fellow hunters are our fellow people, then we all of a sudden have a much bigger bucket of water that carries a lot more weight, and, and, and that's what we need. We need the weight. We need, we need a very strong, centralized, uh, united group of hunters that come to the table as one, that, that w- we, can, we can sit down at a bar and have a beer with somebody that hunts something a completely different way. Like you, you like to call coyotes, right? And I like to call elk, but me and you, we could sit at the same bar and, and, uh, have a hell of a time talking about both. Right. Oh, you bet. Because I, th- I think we both like to dabble in, in, in the other one anyway. So yeah. I, I love hunting coyotes, but I'm talking about the people that are even further from that. You know how many, I, I always, I always cringe when I pull up social media during hunting season, because I'm going to see somebody, they're going to post like a grip and grin of a great big elk they shot. And always, it, it, it never fails. I open up the comments. Oh, well, what did that cost you? <laughs> or what what private ranch were you on? Yeah, yeah. Or is that a high fence? Or uh, how much did you tip your guide? You know, all these smart-ass comments versus, hey, man, congratulations. I don't really care how you got it. That's a, that's a cool bull. Who cares? Yep. I get it. I, I I'm I'm with a lot of you on a sense that yes, it is harder to get a big bull down on public land with an over the counter tag. I get it. Yes, I do the same. That's how I hunt too. But let me tell you something. If I won the lottery tomorrow, you bet your ass I'm probably going to pay thirty grand to go hunt some of these cool ranches, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah. so, uh, it, it's not. We need to quit hating on each other. And if we stopped hating on each other and started focusing on who the real enemy is. We would be able to fund a, a campaign against them much easier. And it's the same with these organizations. Like does the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation work closely with SCI? Not really. Not really. No I, I have I'm a board member on on Idaho Wildlife Federation, and there is a lot of hate against another organization in the state of Idaho. This is the kind of stuff that has to stop. We like these organizations, we have to we have to come together. And I think that when, when you're asking about solutions, without us coming together and stop hating on each other, nothing else matters because it oh, won't that's work. Very true. It, it very won't true. work. The you think P, uh, you think the uh, the members of PETA are pitted against the members of the Humane Society, of the, the United States? No, no, no. They don't. They don't talk shit about each other, about, uh, oh, well, you're you're uh, you're getting credit card numbers on public land instead of you know yeah. <laughs> whatever they they don't care
0: they're only competing it, about who can make the the most saddest yeah. commercial possible you know
1: exactly exactly <laughs> and when one of them out does each other they're complimenting each other yeah. man, that that really strikes emotion in people <laughs> man that was a great ad way to show that dead yeah. mountain lion uh like that uh, great job yeah you know so that's what it is we have to come together if we don't come together and and that you know it is what it is are are we going to come together man i have my doubts but but if we don't and we don't start talking about it and we don't start policing ourselves when we see somebody ripping somebody else apart for their method to take or or what um how big of an animal or how mature of an animal they killed if we don't start policing ourselves and say hey man leave that guy alone and just congratulate him or, or, uh, you know, I don't know that could make it worse. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but if we don't start policing ourselves and understanding that that is wrong, we got to start looking at that as, as wrong. It cannot be cool anymore to make fun of other hunters. It, it just can't be cool anymore. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of what's been going on ever since social media came about, all of a sudden you got some dude that has killed one deer in 10 years Uh, talking shit to other hunters because they're they're getting deer every year but they're not as big as the deer he got right yep uh there's we have to understand that we all come from a different walk of life we all come from a different background and our goals when we go hunting are all going to be a little bit different but the overall goal the three things that i always talk about is always the same for hunters and we want a full freezer we want that primal adventure and and we want the memory those three things never change for any hunter and and other than obviously we don't want to fill our freezer full of coyotes right but one way if to the make fur sure market's our,
0: good maybe the fur
1: market <laughs> yeah if the fur market's good it, do, it doesn't matter it's one of those three things are those are, are going to be met and and that that is what we have to this overarching theme that we always have to talk about and really start focusing on is how to unite hunters versus uh, ripping each other apart and tearing each other down—it's
0: just, it, man—it creates a mess. You know, a lot of these decisions are made at the at the local level, as far as shutting down, you know, coyote contests or spring bear season. You know, they have hearings. They have, mm-hmm. you know, in certain locations they'll have a hearing. Um, you know, with the, whether it's the game commission or whoever that's that's going to make those decisions to leave it open or to shut it down. And I think, you know, I think that's where. Whether you're into that or not, I think if you ever came across that, hey, there's going to be a hearing in my hometown for this particular, whether they're wanting to shut down coyote contests or something like that, I think I think it's important that, like you said, not just the coyote hunters, the bear hunters show up, everybody that's, you know, right there close that, you know, can give up an hour or two of their time to go do that because, you know, this is politics at the bottom of it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the most yeah. votes is going to win, the squeakiest wheels going to get the oil kind of a deal. Oh, absolutely. And if, you know, they got, you know, those anti-hunters are going to drive for wherever to come to these hearings. And if the, yep. the hunters in that local area say, ah, you know, it's no big deal. So there'll be probably some guys there, you know, to f- voice our concerns and just blow it off. Well, now they have, you know, 100 people show up against it and we only have 20 for it. That says a lot right there to the, the people making the decisions. Yep. Yep. No, Absolutely. You know, is there I wonder if there's probably not a you know, I wonder when these hearings and stuff come up for different things, like whether you're talking about the spring bear hunt in in Washington or, you know, Nevada's had a couple hearings recently. That's that's kind of where the the next push is for shutting down coyote contests is Nevada. Obviously, they have the 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 liberal base of Las Vegas and Reno to kind of push that and Oregon's probably coming next, I'm guessing, with Portland and things like that for coyote contests. I wonder, is is there anything out there where guys, if you were like, you know what, I wonder if, if they're trying to push, you know, in my state to shut this kind of stuff down is, is there a central information center where hunters can find stuff like this or just more or less coming across news articles and things like that randomly?
1: Yeah, not, there's not that I know of, man. Um, there, there's really not, there's, there's a couple of organizations that help kind of keep us all apprised in, in a sense, like you've got uh how for wildlife and you've got, um, you know uh, the blood or uh blood origins uh they're good at kind of staying on top of a lot of that stuff but um i, I mean there's not like a central place where you can go check oh is is my state let let's say I live in Nevada is my state uh, looking to ban coyote hunting contests um there's nothing like that that I know of, but i'm I'm hoping that something like that develops, and maybe instead of hoping we should we should all work together to put one together I don't know uh but but a lot of this stuff comes out of the blue um. Uh, like that uh, that that bear hunting ban in California that came out uh, I can't remember HB 130 or something I I can't remember the name of the bill but it came out from this uh random I mean out of left field random uh state legislator uh Senator Weiner was his name <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh he he all of a sudden introduces this flat out anti-hunting bear hunting ban in the state of California uh, this is despite this is despite the fact that California has one of the most robust black bear populations uh, in the lower 48. Um, and, you know, the hunting season is what kind of what keeps these bears in check, you know, and and, and also interesting. Look, look at New Jersey. They just reintroduced the bear hunting um, season out there. They just they had to because there were so many bear encounters and negative uh, bear interactions with humans and and bears doing all this damage to to residential properties and, and even commercial facilities. Uh, finally, this anti-hunting governor was like, OK, we're going to have a bear hunt. And everybody threw it through a fit. But uh, there, there's no way around it. See, what, what happens is that the, these predators, they become aware of what they need to be worried about. So in New Jersey, black bears were not afraid of humans. So the, the interaction, the bear encounter, the negative bear encounters per capita was much greater than it is somewhere, say, in Idaho, where we have a very robust hunting season for bears. Same kind of thing happens when you look at the amount of grizzly bears that are on the landscape in the lower 48 versus Alaska, where you're allowed to hunt uh, a grizzly. You, you the, the negative interaction or bear attacks are much greater per capita in the lower 48 than it is in Alaska because those bears understand that humans are a threat and, and it's been ingrained into their mind here in the lower 48 grizzly bears have nothing to fear. They have yeah. nothing to fear. And so that's, that's what happens. And so I don't know how in the heck I got on that topic, buddy, but uh, I'm staring it back to, uh, you know, this, this legislator out of San Francisco, that introduced a, a flat out bear hunting ban um, out of the blue, all of a sudden was introduced to the state legislature uh, and, and all we were left to do was react. Everybody had to react to it. Right. And and I don't live in California. Uh, I, I have never I, I, and I'll never live in California. You couldn't pay me enough money to live in California. But we have fellow hunters in California that this would affect greatly. And I don't want that to go down in California and then trickle down to places like Idaho and Montana and Wyoming and and, and where I call home and where I hunt. And so I jumped in and did multiple episodes uh against i tried to get this senator weiner on my show to to justify why in the hell would you just come up with out of the blue black bear hunting bands when you live in downtown san francisco and don't have any black bears coming into <laughs> to your trash can and sneaking around your kid's school bus stop like wh- where did this come from and so that's the kind of stuff that's the kind of mentality we start we all need to have like i could it would have been easy for me to say hell with california i don't hunt there or it would be easy for me to say Hell with coyote uh, contests, because, uh, you know, I don't really do them. Yep. Uh, that kind of stuff is what's going to kill hunting, because that is not what the, our enemy does. We have these hostile vegans and anti-hunting organizations that are super fired up and very enthusiastic about putting an end to our lifestyle, and, and, and they are united. And if we don't start doing it, we're going to be in big trouble, man.
0: What's your gut reaction when you start thinking about the future of where we're, you know, thinking about where we're at now? And knowing what we're up against. I mean, what's your gut feeling saying? What, what What's the future holding for us? Uh, my gut
1: feeling is that where we stand now is an indicator as to progressively how things are going to become. Meaning, uh, I, I don't see a bright future for hunting. Uh, I, I really don't. Unless we start changing our mentality and and the way we react to the anti-hunting movement, the societal uh, cultural norms are shifting. We have we have uh, this crazy woke insanity going on in the country where they're canceling people for uh, saying the wrong pronoun. We have uh, <laughs> this this insane left-wing um, cultural thing taken over the mentality of urban areas and how people uh i don't know i don't want to get too far into the weeds with that dude but yeah. it's problematic yeah it, it, it is problematic it, we no longer live in a in, in a society that says live and let live we we no longer have that we have these great big urban areas that are getting bigger and more more uh, absorbed into this like groupthink kind of philosophy where if 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 your neighbors all hate wolf hunting they all we all need to hate wolf hunting or coyote hunting or bear hunting or whatever and and so i i just don't see without the ability to come together and fund campaigns that actually share the positive messages about hunting i don't see a bright future for hunting in north america or in america because we're letting all these left-wing pansies run our life i mean that's that's what's going on and and pardon my french but they, they, we are we are allowing this political one percent that is very loud ruin everything in our country for us and and these activists are ruining our freedoms and they're ruining our country and it's going to ruin hunting did i go too far
0: no no that was that was dead on <laughs> I, I really feel the same way i think i just feel like that's our nature as just hunters and the type of the average hunter, it falls into a stereotype, you know, of maybe, you know, Republican, you know, not real loud, just kind of, like I said earlier, just wants to do their own thing. Yeah, we and it's very hard for lip. us as that group of people to change how we do it, you know? And I, I just, it's, that's the challenge is overcoming the other side that it's just mm-hmm. like you said, so vocal so well funded, they won't stop. They, you know, that's their one mission in life. They're not out there just trying to have a good time and do what they've yeah. done for, you know, for for years. I, yeah. It's that's the difference
1: I'm, between I'm, living life and activism.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a little worried. You know, obviously, I've, I have three boys. You know, my goal is, or my hope is that my boys 20 years down the road can still hunt coyote contests if they want, you know, that yeah. they're still around. You That'd know, be my goal and, too. You know, and it, it I just don't know if it's going to, going to be there. It's, it's one of those things. I, I think, don't either. I think us as hunters, I think, you know, all you can do. And, you know, if you have a chance to show up to a, a commission meeting that's in your hometown or not very far away, do it. Whether it's like you said, whether it's something you hunt or not show up and, and show your support as a hunter. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you, have, if you have the opportunity to take somebody new introduce, you know, we're talking, we talked a lot about that 90% in the middle, you know, those mm-hmm. are the ones that are going to make the final decision. And you're never going to change the viewpoint of the other 10% on the other side. They're always going to no. hate us. They're always going to hate what we do. But if we can slowly show a few of those 90 percenters what we do and introduce them and, and maybe say, they finally say, wow, you know, maybe I'm not out there just to kill the kill, but you know, I kind of like this idea of maybe going out and shooting something and eating it, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we really, that's about, you know, the average, if you just talk about what the average hunter can do, you know, try try to introduce something you know multiple people to hunting i guess um and you know that's on the predator side of things i feel like this younger generation is into the video games and into you know instant rewards kind of stuff you know not really wanting to work for it but it seems like the coyote hunting thing for them is kind of they kind of like it because yeah you know they're using electronics and you know you're shooting an ar-15 you know same kind of stuff they play on their video game you know what i'm saying and so maybe that's where it's at maybe uh you know maybe as far as hiking their ass off through the mountains trying to shoot a deer and elk isn't for them but you know maybe the varmint thing whether it's taking shooting prairie dogs or coyotes or the thermal stuff you know is kind of a technology Mm -hmm. thing that gets them into it i don't know yeah i just it seems like that's you know if you looked at the bottom line what people listen to this what can they do you know show a little support when you can support other hunters and if you got a chance take somebody new hunting you know introduce them to what you love and and maybe they say, wow, I kind of, I get it. I get it. Why you like this? You know,
1: that's, that's, that's it, man. We got to embrace other hunters. We got to show up to commission meetings and, and different when, when there's a comment period, you know, make your voice heard. We've got to show up. Hunters just need to start showing up outside of just hunting season. And that's, that's the difference is, is the anti-hunting movement. They're great at showing up and they're great at showing up unified. Uh, we're not. And so, like, we have to show up. We have to show up to these meetings. We have to show up when it when we've got. We know somebody. Uh, let's say uh, we, we know a 14 year old out there who'd love to go hunting, but his his or her parents don't hunt. Offer to take that kid hunting. You know, offer to offer to take that new new hunter that is is you know at work that's never been hunting, but is showing a little bit of interest. You know, take him hunting. Just don't take them to your favorite spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key, just right? Take them to a different <laughs> spot. You never know. You might luck out. <laughs> and so uh, I, I think that's that's the key. We just have to show up for each other and, and support each other and understand that, you know, we're not all the same. We, we all may, may not have the same uh, pursuit, uh, but 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 the objective is the same at the end of the day and we're all on the same side and, and and we really do need to start coming together and becoming a, a strong one united front, uh, against this anti hunting movement. Otherwise they're going to kick our ass and we are going to lose. And this lifestyle is gone.
0: Yeah. And I guarantee everybody listening to this does not want that, you know? So, yeah, exactly. Well, Jim, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Um, hopefully everybody yeah, listening to this day, you know, it's something a little different, obviously we're not talking about tips and tactics and how to kill coyotes, but, uh, you know, it's something that's just as important if, if you want to continue doing, you know, what we do. So, yeah, I really appreciate you being on, man. If anybody wants to catch up with you, uh, the Western Huntsman podcast, you probably find it about anywhere, right? Probably the same platform you listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, And man. it's actually Any, it, it's anywhere an podcast it's an It's part of the Eastman's kind of family of podcasts, isn't it? We sure are. Yeah, brand nice. new to, uh, to Eastman's, so pretty, pretty exciting. Nice, nice. And then you said you had Instagram, right? What's, uh, what's your handle on Instagram?
1: yeah so anywhere you want to find the western huntsman is at the western huntsman um so there is uh like you know our instagram is at the western huntsman uh and so that's h-u-n-t-s-m-a-n uh and then you 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 can find we have a facebook page at the western huntsman we have a youtube channel um we have all all sorts of stuff but it's if you just type in the western
0: huntsman you're gonna you're gonna generally find it how'd you luck out and get such a badass last name
1: I don't know, man. Uh, I love it though. <laughs> it made everybody's like, "Oh, how'd you pick that name for your podcast?" Well, it's pretty easy. My last name is Huntsman. <laughs> I live in the West, and I'm not that creative, so I said I'm the Western Huntsman, and here we go. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I was yeah. watching sports things. The guys like the last names are Rambo and rapper, oh, you know. And I'm like, damn, yeah. how they get cool names like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens, man. <clears throat> Well, once again, appreciate it, man. If you're out there, you want to want to listen to more hunting podcasts, you know, check Jim's out. Um, It's definitely a good one. And if you're on uh, social media and want to find out where I'm at, obviously you can check me out at uh, just at Jeff Nimnick there on Instagram. Probably the best way to find out more information about myself is go to my website, which is CoyoteCraze.com. That'll give you links to the last stand video series um and uh, articles and things like that upcoming schools you name it it's all on my uh, website at coyotegraze.com but before we get off here need to thank the sponsors which make this possible we have lucky duck predator calls sig sour optics swagger bipods onyx hunt cryptech black rifle coffee company and hornady and of course eastman's for bringing this all together for you guys Uh, couldn't do it without them so be sure and check out all that Eastman's has going at eastmans.com so until next time hope you're out there killing a lot of coyotes this winter and we'll catch you next time right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast